morning, everybody. Happy Australia Day. I got caught up in the, the whole Australia Day hype, and I yes, I bought a lamb yesterday. <laughs> a leg of lamb. Well, this morning, we're continuing our series on... Of course, uh, this book here, this wonderful book called Chasing Daylight by Erwin McManus. He's quite a writer, and uh, I love his style of writing, and I really enjoyed reading most of this book. It's, it's a great book. I wholly uh, recommend it uh, to you as we continue through this series, and I think the series will conclude next week when Pastor Carl comes back to share a Vision Sunday with us all. So that's uh, something to look forward to. What do you believe... God is speaking to you about at the beginning of 2014. You know, what is stirring in your heart to do for him this year? It might be a continuation of what you have been doing or it might be something new. Perhaps it's a particular course of study or a, or a new house that you're looking at. Is it to reduce debt? Is, uh, you know, perhaps you're a visitor here and you're thinking about changing churches or you're thinking about God and you're, you're sort of wondering, well, you know, is this, is this for me? Maybe you're seeking a fresh start and a change. Maybe he's speaking to you about overcoming or, or being a better father or mother. Maybe it's to really grow in a specific area of your Christian life, to pray more, to serve in a new area, to become a connect group leader. Maybe it's to be bolder or more courageous in your sharing faith of your faith. Perhaps it's to write a book or to go overseas on a missions trip to start a new business or to give like never before. For some of us who've been around a while, like myself, uh, there might be, you might have had stirrings in your heart to do something for God that has been there for many, many years, but for whatever reason, you haven't yet crossed the line, you haven't yet begun or you've, you've paused in that quest. We're sort of hoping for a better day. And I know that's the case with me sometimes. I'm hoping for that better day, that someday. But as I've discovered, as I continue along in this journey of called life, that someday just doesn't seem to come. This morning, I want to give you uh, some keys and strategies to help you advance, to help us all move closer toward living out the purposes of God for our life. And of course, this is the fourth in the series. And as I shared, it's about from coming from this book. And the title of my message is Seize the Moment, Advance. It's an interesting word, advance, isn't it? What does it mean to advance? Well, to advance means to push forward in a purposeful way. It means to push forward, to gain ground. It means to improve your position. It's a verb. <coughs> Excuse me. It's a doing word. It's an active word. And when a person is advancing, they're moving toward something purposefully. They're going somewhere. They're doing something. It's a word which has intentionality about it, direction. It's, it's, I think it's great to have hopes and, and stirrings in our heart, but truthfully, we need to advance. We need to move. We need to push forward in those uh, those stirrings. We need to do something in order to see 
its fulfillment. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Jonathan and this particular sort of snapshot of his life from Jonathan, from 1 Samuel chapter 14. And uh, the scriptures that we're reading this morning are from verse 8 to 14, and it's up on the screen there. And we'll, we'll revisit it, why not, just for a moment. Um, Jonathan said, come on, Len, to his armor bearer. We'll cross over, forward them, <coughs> beg your pardon, and let them see us. Verse 9, if they say to us, wait here till we come, we will say, well, uh, we, we will stay, I should say, where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we'll climb up because that is, will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. And so verse 11, so both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outposts. Look, said the Philistines, Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. <laughs> I love that. They were hiding in. Uh, where, and verse 12, the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. And verse 13, moving on, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet and with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. And in the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Wow, what a story. Jonathan was in a very difficult position. From a military point of view, he was holding a position in the low ground. Now, the Philistines were in the, in the hills, in the mountains. But I love Jonathan's attitude. It was amazing. He, he had an advance, a move forward um, attitude. And with that mindset, he had this, made this unusual decision. He said to his armor bearer, well, look, if they say to us, wait, we'll, we'll hold. We'll hold our position. But if they say, come on up, um, we're going to move forward because, hey, that will be a sign from God and, and, and as you read in the scripture. And sure enough, the Philistines said, come on up. Um, <coughs> come on up. It's almost as if it made it, they, they made it easy, for, sorry, it made it easy for him to advance, as if they were going to stay, stay there. Uh, you know, think about this. The Philistines, they didn't want to go down the mountain and, and pursue them. They wanted them to come to him. And so it happened that way. But here's the thing. I mean, you know, so they, they said, come on up. Jonathan got out of his hole, revealed himself to the Philistines. And so, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they sort of taunted him, didn't they? They said, oh, come on up and we'll teach you a lesson. But how could Jonathan, and if you know the story in the background, we've, we've sort of looked at it quite extensively over the last few weeks. Jonathan only had one sword. So how could he defeat them with one sword, 20 men, with hills and rocks to climb? It's, it's quite inconceivable, quite challenging. It truly defies logic. It doesn't really make sense. But he felt that God was more than ready and willing to act on his behalf. He was so confident that God would come to his aid that all he needed was a go. All he needed was a go. And it came from an unlikely source. It didn't come from a, an inner sense or a scripture. It came from the enemy. Come on up. Come on up. A taunt, a jibe, a mock will teach you a lesson statement. But ultimately it was Jonathan's invitation to come, to come up the mountain, to, to step into the battle and to take them on. Jonathan's story says something to us, I think, today. And if we want to see action, if we want to act, sorry, if we want to see action, we need to act on what is in our hearts to do. We need to advance. We need to move forward. We need to climb our mountains. We shouldn't settle. We shouldn't stop unless God says so, unless God says, wait. 
I love this catchy tune from the book that Derwin McManus uses. He says, go unless God says no. Go unless God says no. It's an interesting catchphrase, but I like it. But not everyone has the same go forward attitude as Jonathan. And just to illustrate the point, some years ago I was on a, uh, a camp and I'm a teacher by trade and I was uh, supervising a bunch of students on a year 11 camp. Now I had assigned to me about 10 to 11 year 11 students and they were 15, 16 years of age. And one, of, one particular day we were uh, given the responsibility of climbing Mount Edwards. Now it's not far from here. Anybody been up Mount Edwards? Not many people. Oh, a few, yes, good. And, you know, it's, it's quite a relative climb. I wouldn't call it uh, massively difficult, but uh, it was uh, quite challenging. 634 metres up. And uh, anyway, we, uh, we pushed on ahead um, and we got to about 100 metres before. Now, it took us a few hours to get there, but we got to about 100 metres before and we had a bit of a rest stop. And so all the kids sat down and we were, they were eating muesli, whatever, whatever they had in their backpacks. And about probably half an hour later, I said, right, it's time to go. And uh, I wasn't the leader of the group. I was just the supervising teacher. We had a leader called Timmy. Now, Timmy was a sort of a go-forward, advanced sort of guy. He was a bit like Jonathan. He just wanted to move forward, you know, uh, march on ahead. And uh, he, he, I said, look, come on, everybody up, you know, using my teacher voice. Everyone up. No, not really. <laughs> No one listened. I thought, well, okay, we're in the bush here. We're not in the classroom, all right? So anyway, uh, they said, Mr. Bennett, we're done. We can't go any further. We we're finished. We've had it. I said, come on. You you're only that far from the summit. You're only, you know, there's not much further to go. Another 15 to 20 minutes of walking. Sorry, we're done. So we were in this, this nothing zone on the track, sort of on a 45 degree angle and just, they were just stuck. They just didn't want to move. And Timmy gets up and he says, well, you're going to miss out on the best view ever. It's magnificent up there. And But you know what? No matter how much we tried to motivate them, push them on, move them forward, they just wouldn't go. And so out of the 11 students, I think one student and myself and Timmy went to the summit. And there's a picture of, <laughs> there's a picture of Timmy Timmy's on the, on the right and I'm on the left and we hit the summit and you know it was such a wonderful feeling getting to the summit but I felt really sad and disappointed for the 10 students who decided they'd had enough. They just got stuck. They just couldn't move. And I think it's the same for some of us. We, we have a desire, we have uh, dreams in our heart that God's placed there, we have stirrings in our heart and we may even have forget, begun that journey, but it's true for some of us, we get stuck. We just, we get to a certain point and we can't move any forward. We can't move any further for whatever reason. There's a great episode <coughs> um, from Winnie the Pooh. Now, has anyone, has anyone ever watched Winnie the Pooh? Now, if you've had parents, if you've had children, Dan has, and Dan uh, tells me that he still watches Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch it a lot with my children. And, you know, I, I loved Winnie the Pooh. I, I really did. And I, I got into the characters and, you know, Tigger, hey -o! you know, and Eeyore, hello. You know, my wife sometimes says to me when I wake up in the morning, you sound like Eeyore. Oh. 
true. I get concerned when she says that. But there's a beautiful moment in a particular show uh, where Winnie the Pooh has, is invited to the rabbit's house for, for lunch, I think. And so, you know, Winnie the Pooh is just eating and eating and eating. And he just, he's just so full of honey. And he tries to escape through the rabbit, what, rabbit woman. Rabbit woman. All right. <laughs> Say that ten times. All right. And lo and behold, Winnie the Pooh gets stuck. He can't move. He's just, he's there. And there you see this wonderful photo of Christopher Robin and, and Kanga. And he, oh, you know, and they're trying desperately to get, and of course you don't see Rabbit because Rabbit's on the inside pushing, um, pushing Winnie from, from the back. <laughs> he's stuck. And I think, I think this highlights uh, a, a real issue for, for many of us, I have to say, myself very much included, is that we, we can identify with Winnie the Pooh. We, we get stuck. We truly do. We just pause. We hold. We, we, can't, we don't seem to move forward and we, we seem to oscillate. We seem to sort of hold, if you like. I think it's the same for Abraham's father. Now, there's a little story in our readings recently. We, we looked at Abraham. We looked at Abraham and his great journey to, to the land of Canaan. But just quickly before that, his father, Terah, actually had a desire and a vision to go to, to the land of Canaan. And it's uh, found in Genesis 11:31. But the Bible says that he, uh, they, they set out to Canaan, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, Haran is around about uh, 800 kilometres short of the target. But, you know, the scripture doesn't actually specifically say why uh, Terah settled in, in, in uh, that particular city, in that particular town. There are conjectures around as to why, but the fact is there is no clear reason why. I don't want to be too hard on Terah. There could be any number of reasons. It could have been family tragedy. There could have been uh, a school that, that would, would help a particular uh, one of his kids. You know, I mean, I don't know. There's so many uh, reasons that uh, we could talk about. Maybe it was a financial issue. He just ran out of money. He couldn't move any further. But this morning, just a few moments before we get on to some solutions regarding this whole being stuck thing, I want to talk about some of the reasons why perhaps we all get stuck in our life. And we've already addressed the issue of fear, and that's certainly one that Dan mentioned extensively last Sunday. But I want to suggest a few more. I, I, think, I think one of the reasons we get stuck in our life is we get discouraged. You know, there are, there, there are some people in our lives that just knock the very stuffing out of us by their words and by their comments. They're hope-crushing people, I call them, and uh, idea killers. And, you know, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. I, I'm currently reading a book, uh, a very spiritual book called Standing Your Ground by well-known cricketer Matthew Hayden. And uh, he, he, he's, he's a young up-and-coming cricketer, about 18, 19 at this time, and he's a part of the Queensland Cricket Academy. And anyway, he's on a short list to go to the Australian Cricket Academy. Uh, he wasn't playing for Queensland at the time, and, but he was playing for under-19s and what have you. And anyway, he uh, missed out on the Australian Cricket Academy where some of the other great cricketers like Adam Gilchrist got in. And uh, lo and behold, he, he decided, look, 
He rang Rod Marsh. Now, for those who are cricket tragics, you'll know that Rod Marsh was a, a, a legend in the game in, ter- in the 70s and 80s. And Rod Marsh uh, was the, uh, the chairman of the Cricket Academy. And he decided to be bold and ring the guy and say, look, what the heck happened here? So he got on the phone and he, he spoke to him and he said, hello, my name is Matthew Hayden and, uh, and I'd like to talk to you about... And he says, Matthew who? Who are you? And, uh, and he said, I'm Matthew Hayden and I'm, I'm wanting to want to know why I didn't get on the... And he says, look, son, I don't know who you are or what you're up to, but the fact is we're only looking for people who can play first-class cricket. And, of course, if you know Matthew Hayden, uh, that stirred him up. In fact, that stirred him up so much that it, uh, the next time he saw Rod Marsh at a game, he scored 150, not out. And he wanted to stick it to him. But, you know, there are people out there that try to, you know, really just stick it to us uh, if we've got a dream, if we've got something in our heart. And uh, I don't think there's anybody here in that regard, but perhaps it's, it's people like your family members who are outside this church and who, who, you know, have workmates and colleagues and people that you begin to talk to. You know, I think there are also people who have their, lo- who have their hopes and dreams dashed by circumstances, life that are beyond their control. You know, I think, I think of, um, you know, debilitating sickness, uh, family crisis, terrible tragedies and betrayals and a wayward child and car accidents and, and an inability to get pregnant. There's so many aspects and these things come to, to affect us and, and they truly do uh, affect our ability and they do from time to time, um, I don't know, they, they stop us in our tracks, don't they? And I don't want to make light or belittle any of these because these are issues that we need to, to look at and work through. Proverbs 13, verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, doesn't it? You know, we, we would love to see um, our hopes come to pass. But sometimes things happen that just, just stop us in our tracks. We settle, we're hindered by past mistakes and failures, moving on quickly. You know, something goes wrong, we try something, we make a mistake and we go, oh, that's it, I'm never doing that again. I had a go, it's over, no more. You know, I've tried, I've failed, well, that's it, you know, give up on that dream, give up on what I think, I thought God was saying do that. And, and one go and we just, whew, that's it, we give up. You know, um, I don't know, I think, you know, when we do fail, and it's true, we, it does affect our confidence, it, it, it affects our hope and, and we stop moving forward. We, we, we get stuck. Some of us settle for less. You know, we, we get a bit lazy. Um, we like our current lifestyle. We're just, you know, we're just happy where we're at. We're just content. We're, we're pleased with, with, uh, with our current situation. You know, we, we, we're, our friendship group, our, our situation, our job. When we, I think we settle for less than perhaps sometimes what God intended for our lives. I think about the Israelites. They seem to constantly complain to Moses, and we're going through those readings at the moment in Exodus. They constantly complain to Moses about, about the fact that we were happy back in, back in, you know, in slavery. I'm thinking, what the? You know? But they seem to be content with that sort of lifestyle, something less than what God had intended for them. Look, there's so many, but you know, we're, we're too busy. We're just too busy to pursue the sort of the, 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 the stirrings that are in our heart that God's placed in our lives. We're, just, we're, we're too busy. We've got people to see, places to be, and things to do. This is a big one that I want to share about. We're waiting. 
where we wait. You know, we're waiting for that special moment uh, when God will speak to them in a, in a grand vision or call them to ministry in a, with, an, with an audible voice. Sure, I mean, it does happen for some people. Uh, there's no question. I've heard and seen it. But I have to say, for the majority of us, myself included, there are no thunderclaps. There are no massive thunderclaps. There's no uh, massive 10-minute uh, word coming from a prophet saying that I will be this and I will be that. And I'm not belittling those things in any way. But the reality is for the majority of us, it will be just a scripture in season. It'll be a still small voice. It'll be a stirring within our heart. It'll be a friend's encouragement. It'll be just God speaking to us. Some have waited for years for the right moment, for the right time, the right season to say, yes, this is now is the time. But the reality is it just doesn't seem to come. I think this is a big one too. We turn our hearts away from God. You know, some drift away from God and, and their hearts uh, are intent on pursuing evil things. And as a result, sort of God's desires are, are placed to the side. And, you know, think about the Israelites as we've been reading and how, how, how they sinned before God and before, uh, before Moses as well. They, 1 Corinthians 10 talks about God was not pleased with most of them. He says these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters. Uh, and then it goes on. And they sat down and they, they got up and drank and, and indulged in revelry. It says, we, verse 8, we shouldn't commit adultery. And immoral, sexual immorality, I beg your pardon, but some did. And then verse 9, he says, we shouldn't test Christ as some did. And they were killed by snakes. <laughs> That's something I couldn't handle. Um, and verse 10, and do not grumble as some of them. And it goes on, and these are the types of, of sins, and they just drifted. They were clearly uh, separating themselves from God. They were pursuing evil things in that time, and it affected their ability. They got stuck big time. So sometimes sin can affect our ability to move forward, to advance. Well, look, I don't want to spend too much time on focusing on some of the reasons why we get stuck. I want to talk about how we can move forward. And so for the next few moments, uh, uh, before we conclude, I, I want to share some keys and principles that will help us all to move forward in our Christian life. I think first and foremost, I would love us to be able to get a new clarity around what it is that God is actually saying to us. I think from the outset, we need to just come away and find out what it is that's stirring in our heart. Get a real sense of, of what God is speaking to us about. And I think that we can help God in one sense by asking questions, by asking specific questions. Where are you at right now in your journey with God? I know Carl, Pastor Carl asked that a few weeks ago. Where are you at? Where do you want to be? What are your hopes? What is God put in your heart to do for him? What is stirring in your heart? What has been there for years to do? I love that Switchfoot song, This Is Your Life, Are You Who You Want to Be? Perhaps this morning you have drifted away from God. This could be a good day to reconnect with him, to give him first priority, to allow those, those desires and dreams and hopes to, to sort of rise again within your life. 
I think I love Jonathan. There was a certainty around uh, Jonathan's passion and what was in his heart. His heart was to, to see the kingdom of God advance. His heart was to fulfill his father's wishes, to be a soldier, to be a man of God, to be on the front line. It was to be a leader. He had a certainty around him. He had a clarity. And I think that's a, that's a really important step to just spend a moment asking key questions and getting yourself clear on the, in the direction in which God is taking you. I think secondly, and this is a really big one that I have struggled with, is change the way you think about certain things. Change your thoughts about certain things that, that will help us to, how shall I say, get out of the rabbit line, get out of the hole. Change the way you think about failure, about discouragement. Well, let me ask you this. Now, put your hand up if you like. Have you ever failed at something? Has anyone here failed? There's a few people who haven't failed. That's good. <laughs> Most of us have failed. Most of us have made mistakes. Most of us have just fallen in a heap at times with certain sense of, oh, I failed, this has gone bad, I've made a mistake, it's the end of the world. And sometimes we catastrophize, we sort of go over the top with this. And we think, well, as I said before, we're not going to do any more. We're not going to go forward. The fact is that we all do fail. We all do make mistakes. And I think we need to treat them like learning experiences. Some wise person once said, between saying and doing, many pairs of shoes are worn out. I think we need to stop thinking that making mistakes means we're a failure. We are not a failure. That we're no good. I think we need to instead learn from our mistakes, try something a little different, forgive yourself, allow God's grace and mercy to come upon you afresh, and move forward. Margaret Thatcher, former Prime Minister, said this, you may have to fight a battle more than once to win it. I've found that to be true in many battles that I've had to face in different issues in my life that I haven't got time to share about today. You may have to fight a battle more than once to win it. And what about discouragement? There is truth. People let you down. People disappoint you. Circumstances of life sometimes are beyond our control and they do affect us. They leave us even heartbroken depending on the seriousness and extent of the tragedy or the sadness or the discouragement. And what do we do? Now, I don't want to make light of any tragedy or issue that has happened in your life because I know they are serious and they you can't just click a finger and it's all over. I, I wholeheartedly respect that and I understand that. But there comes a time, I think, when we need to do what the Apostle Paul says to do. And he encourages us with these words, forget what lies behind and press on towards a goal. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Press on toward the goal. As hard as it is, I think he is saying we need to realise that we cannot change the past. We can't. There is nothing we can do. As one preacher once said, we can't unscramble scrambled eggs, I think he said. 
So we need to spend more time looking ahead. Looking ahead. Less time looking back and more time looking ahead. To be, to be, we need to change the way we think about waiting. Are you a waiter? Stop thinking that God says wait, but we need his permission. I'll, I'll clarify that in a sec. We think God is more into saying no or don't, but I think, and certainly if you read this book, Erwin McManus has the view that God is more about saying yes, go, do. And I think of the scriptures. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus, in his last words on the earth, what did he say? What did he say to the disciples? What did he say to all who read those words? He says, go into all the world and preach. Go. Go, man, go, he's saying. You go out there. I love what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. He says that we're all ministers of reconciliation. We all, every follower has the prime directive to represent Christ on this earth. We are called to be his witnesses wherever we are, whatever job we're in and whatever situation we may find ourselves. We are commissioned, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, to make disciples. We are commissioned. We are commanded to love our neighbour. We are mandated to serve as Christ served. The scripture is clear. God has given us a go, a green light, a move forward to share our faith, to serve, to give, to do something for him. I've had this stirring in my heart that, you know, wants to benefit others, that wants to bless others, that will further the kingdom of God, but I don't know if it's God. I'm going to say it's God. If it's in your heart and it's meant to bless others and encourage and build others up in the faith, then how can it not be of God? But of course, Pastor Philip shared a couple of weeks ago, and I strongly urge you to, to get that message, to look at it again, where he went through a process, and I don't want to re-go through that today. But yes, go through processes. But God is speaking and he's saying, go. Have you ever been at the lights? Have you ever been at the lights and you're the second car and you're sitting there, brum, 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 brum. You know, I used to drive a Studebaker, a 62 Studebaker Hawk, and I had a 253 Chev engine. Not that I'm a car fanatic, I'm not. But it was, it used to hum at the lights, like this. And people used to look at me and I thought, yeah. You know. And I'd be the second car, and all of a sudden, ping, the light goes green, and I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to put the, put the accelerator down. And the car in front, well, in modern day vernacular, they're texting. <laughs> now, look, there's, I, I'm not usually a, I don't usually get a lot of anger. I don't get a lot of anger going on in my life. But that time, times, I, there's a surge coming up within me that goes, oh, get moving, the light is green. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know? And I feel like putting the foot down, but you know what happened. $600, that's right, that's the old excess, all right? But they, they've got their head down, buried in the phone, and I hate it. You, nobody's like that here, are they? But it's frustrating. You know, I just wonder, this is a scary thought, but I wonder if 
you know, while we're waiting on God, God is waiting on us. You know, some people wait so long that they think it's too late to do anything. I want to encourage you with this thought, that it's never too late to be what you might have been. Jonathan didn't wait. He moved forward. He was looking for the, just the slightest green light, just, just a little green light, and it came from the enemy. Bing! Off he went. Oh, I'm inspired by that mentality. And very quickly, see, change the way you think about yourself. About yourself. God can't use me. I am just an ordinary person. I have nothing to offer. Instead, try to remember that you are valued, that you are important to God, that you have gifts, that you have talents. You can make a difference. You can make a difference in the lives of others. You know, we've been reading recently about Moses, haven't we? And I know I'm sort of moving around a fair bit here, but Moses, he's the classic example, isn't he, of someone who gets stuck almost immediately. See, God speaks to him and says, I want you to lead a team of people. I want you to get, I want you to talk to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And almost immediately, I mean, he, God gets, he gets stuck straight away. And he says this, he says, um, uh, Lord, who am I? I am nobody. I, I can't, <clears throat> I, I don't have anything to offer. I'm a farmhand. I'm a, I'm a shepherd. I've been in the wilderness for 40 years. It's a long time, Lord. I'm sort of unskilled and unsophisticated and I've lost sort of a lot of my confidence and I'm nobody, Lord. There's someone else out there, surely, that's smarter, that's stronger, that's fitter, that's faster. They're just better than me. He had a problem with his view of himself, didn't he? Inferiority, I think, tries to stop us as well. I've battled with this at times. You know, why go for that job? You haven't got a chance. You haven't got a chance. The truth is that there are always going to be people who are faster, fitter, stronger, better. There are always, there's always people who are ahead of you. But it's, it's not what we know that counts. It's who we know that makes the difference. It's who we know and what he says about us that's important. That's the truth. I am Darren. I am Daz. <laughs> Some who call me that. I don't know why. But I like it. I'm Daz. I am somebody. I am a son of the living God. I am his, and his, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And he is with me always. That ain't easy to sort of believe and live out. Moses says, well, who am I? And God says, I am with you. That's all you need, Moses. Very quickly, third point, do something. Do something. Get clarity. Change the way you think about certain aspects in regards to moving forward. But I think you need to start doing something. You need to take a step. 
It's important that we develop some kind of focused plan, perhaps, some kind of, you know, small step process in terms of moving forward towards what God has called you to do. And, you know, what if you're not sure? What if you don't really know? What if you can't be certain? Well, I say do something anyway. Do something. You know, what if you, you know, what if you don't feel any stirring? Well, I think talk to the pastors. Go to the Connect desk. Volunteer for something that might interest you. Jacob was in a, was in a sort of a mood with his sons in Genesis 40, 47 verse 1. He says, uh, I mean, Israel's in the midst of a famine. You know, I mean, and he says to his sons this unusual statement. <coughs> he says, why do you just keep looking at each other? Have you ever read this? I don't know. I read it the other day. I thought, oh, why do you just keep looking at each other? He says, go and do something. Go get some grain from Egypt. I mean, you know, Jacob exercised some leadership here by telling his sons, look, stop doing nothing. Start doing something. You know, look around. Look at the needs and pitch in. I love Jonathan. He had a plan. It was an unusual one. Go from the low ground to the high ground with one sword and climb a mountain and take down 20 people. <laughs> oh, that's an unusual plan, Jonathan. But nonetheless, it was a plan and he executed it. He did something. He moved with purpose. Fourthly and quickly, this is a toughie. Embrace your challenges. You know, the enemy is waiting. I'm sorry to say, but if you want to advance, there is an enemy and he's waiting for you. He is waiting. I don't recall a time, any time in my life where I haven't advanced and there's been no one waiting for me, no enemy. He has one purpose, to stop you. Just to stop you. The Philistines were there. Their one purpose was to kill Jonathan, stop him. There are battles ahead for those who want to move forward. It's a given. And they come in many different forms. They come in many different forms. And sometimes we will want to retreat. Sometimes we will want to turn away because the battle gets fierce. I love that little illustration from the movie Patriot, where right at the end, where Mel Gibson, the captain of the American forces, is there and the American, sorry, I beg your pardon. Yes, the American forces. And the British are coming over the hill and they're, they're advancing, they're moving forward and, and it seems like the Americans are retreating and they can't handle the fierceness of the battle. But I love it when Mel Gibson, he sees the American flag going backwards and he grabs the American flag off this guy and instead he runs forward into the battle. He runs toward them and everyone's looking around going, what the heck? And all of a sudden they turn and they follow his, their leader and they move forward and they ultimately defeated the American, the, the British. I love, I love that little scene. I think it'd be great to have a sort of a, an attitude like that. The Philistines were waiting for Jonathan, but he moved head on into their line of fire. That is tough. We need help in that regard. There's no question. Fifthly, develop perseverance. You know, maybe you're already on the journey. Maybe you're, you're already there, but you're thinking about giving up. You're sort of, you're struggling. You're not sure. You're sort of doubting. You Just keep going. Keep fighting. Press on. Seek your strength. Don't give up. I remember my first day of university. I was doing a business degree, and I, 
walked into the lecture theatre and sat down with 50 other people. And the very first lecture, the lecturer walks in with creaky shoes. You couldn't hear a pin drop. And I was thinking, this is, wow, this is, a, you know, I've never, this is exciting, you know. I was, but I was apprehensive as well. And he walks into the room and those days it was chalkboards. And he picked up a piece of chalk and he went to the board and he, he drew something. He drew a big dollar sign. That's all he did. There was not a sound coming out of his mouth. And I thought, what the heck's going to be, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? I'm sort of hanging on the edge of my seat. And he said, this is now your God. Worship him. First day of a four-year degree in business, and that's the very first thing I hear from a university lecturer. I almost like, I'd just become a Christian. I was a young fella. I was excited about God. I was sort of young in the faith. What the heck am I going to do? What am I going to, what am I, I don't know. You know what? I, I struggled. I wrestled with God over that. I was like Jacob, wrestling with God. I didn't know what to do. I felt like quitting. I felt like giving up. I felt like turning my back on the whole thing. I thought, I don't want this. This. But I hung on. I hung on. You know, in, in the book, Life's Little Instruction Book, Hugh Brown writes this. He says, there are two rules of perseverance. Take one more step. And when you can't take one more step, refer to rule one. <laughs> okay. All right. Paul often wrote to the church and individuals, didn't he? He said, persevere, hang in there, keep your faith, remain hopeful, endure, fight the good fight. Because the battles do get tough, life gets hard, sometimes we want to quit. But he says, hang on, keep going, keep going with your faith. And finally, and this is an important one, in order to advance in your Christian life, in order to move forward in the things that God's placed in your heart, we need a few by our side. Who? It's okay for me to say that, isn't it? Just once in church. Who needed the gang to get him out of the hole that he was in? There was Christopher Robin. There was Kanga. And there was Eeyore. And they're all helping. And I know it's a, it's a sort of a lighthearted illustration, but it's serious. It's, it's a key point. We need others to pull us out of the holes that we're in. We need help. We need people in our life cheering us on, supporting us, being by our side. My, one of my absolute favorite books from Gordon MacDonald, a book called The Resilient Life. I strongly encourage you to get it as part of this series. He says this, you cannot grow into what God wants you to be and do unless you're in tight formation with some others. Jonathan had his armour bearer by his side and he was a young fellow, this guy, a young fellow. He might have been in his teens. And he said this to Jonathan just before the verses that we looked at this morning. He says, do all that you have in mind, his armour bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you. Within heart and soul. There is something amazing about people being with you. You know, I had numerous texts yesterday and this morning saying, Darren, I'm praying for you. I'm with you. I'm supporting you in this. 
Sometimes it's a bit tough to get up and preach. There are battles that, that come. I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. I'm just simply saying that to share God's word, it's challenging, isn't it? In whether we're preaching or whether we're sharing out in the workplace or whatever. We get battles. But it's great to have people by your side encouraging you, cheering you on, saying, hey, you're going to do it. You can do it. I bring this message to a close. Last year, I, I had the incredible privilege of, of visiting the Canadian Rockies and seeing our daughter, Melissa, who was living in Banff at the time. And, it, you know, if you've been to Canada, it's a, it's a visual feast. It's a magnificent uh, sort of a feast of, of lakes and rivers and, and breathtaking landscapes and, and wonderful colours. And, but best of all are the mountains. The mountains are just striking. They're glorious. They're magnificent. I, I, I strongly recommend that you go. They hit you in the heart. And all you want to do is just thank God for his creation. It's like God just put his create, the, the best of his creation in, in one, one area. And you just, you just stand there in awe of his glorious creation. And all I wanted to do was climb. I just wanted to get up there. I just wanted to get up to the, to the mountaintop. And so as you can see on the, on the slides there, we had an opportunity at, at Lake Louise. There was a place called Beehive, and you can see the mountain on the left-hand side. And there's, Melissa said, Dad, let's do it. You can do this. It's five kilometers straight up. I thought, <gasps> and so away we went. And there's the mountain you can see on the left, and some of the magnificent landscapes you see. It was grueling. It was tough. There were times when I just wanted to give up. I just, I said, Melissa, I can't go any further. I, I am done. I am stuck. I can't. And I just, I just sat on the side. And Melissa was by my side. She's an experienced bushwalker. And she said, Dad, it's okay. Just, just rest. Just get yourself together. Just relax. And we'll keep going once you just pause for a moment take a drink. She was, she was wonderful. There were other times when I wanted to quit and she said, Dad, keep going. We're not far. It's just around the corner. You can do it. You can do it. This was easily the hardest climb I've ever had to do. But my daughter was brilliant. She was my armor bearer. She would say, Dad, just I'm with you. Right all the way to the we reached the summit and it was the most exhilarating feeling as a, it was just absolutely beautiful to look over the Rockies and Lake Louise and it was just, it was just glorious you know what happens when we advance what happens when we move forward when we reach the summit when we live our lives when we live our God-given desires and dreams that are in our hearts. I think we experience the thrill of doing what God's asked us to do. I think we feel that excitement of being in the adventure. We sense a new joy in serving God. We, we may see lives changed, encouraged, touched, saved. I think we feel like we're actually living again when we're functioning when we're 
moving, when we're advancing. I love this quote. Our truest life is when we are in our dreams awake. There are there is a word for all who want to seize their divine moment this morning. Advance today. Move forward. Take one step toward that which God has placed in your heart. Don't pause. And if you are stuck, get people to help you, pull you out. Amen. Let's pray. So just pause the music. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you. We just thank you for your words this morning, for your encouragement. You want us to move forward. It's like you're saying to us, go, do, move forward. This morning, I, I, feel, I feel for those who are stuck. I know what it's like to be stuck, sometimes for many years. It's frustrating. You want to be in the action. You want to be functioning. You want to serve. You want to, but things are holding you back. And I pray for those people here this morning that you would supernaturally reach into their life in this moment. Give them fresh strength, encouragement, hope. Give them a sense that it's, it's not over, that there is a future for them. There is opportunity. There are things ahead for them. And I pray that you would give them the strength to take one step this morning, one step toward you, one step to saying, yes, I want to honour you. I want to serve you, Lord. I want to live for you. I want to function. I want to do that which is in my heart that you've given me to do. It's a go from you, Lord. It's a green light. Just while we're, we're praying, I just wonder this morning, is there anybody here that has yet to give their life to Christ? Has yet to sort of make that declaration of faith that says, hey, you know, I've been thinking about God, I've been thinking about Christianity, but, you know, I just feel a stirring in my heart that today's the day. I wonder if that's you. I'm going to invite you, if you would like to, at the end of this service, to get up out of your seat and come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you, but just give you a chance at the end of this service. 